Hey, welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. Your host, Roger Abel, here with Elias Randall. So, Elias, we're coming to this show. We're filming right after the big turkey weekend. Black Friday shopping, which we did a show on previously. But how was your Thanksgiving day? It was really, really good. Um, I did what I always do, which I ate way too much food. I took a nap. Um, I also helped cook. I cooked the turkey for uh, two of the Thanksgivings that we go to. So I'm kind of an amateur barbecuer slash smoker. So I made two turkeys this year. Both were delicious. I don't expect anything less. I've, I've had some Elias ribs before. Those are good. And the smoked salmon, are you still doing the smoked salmon? I do. Yep, that's still in my um, still in my wheelhouse. So, I do it every now and then. So you'd be proud of me. Before I had kids, I actually, actually used to do a lot of barbecuing and smoking. And now that I have kids, it's just kind of like we're going to grill. It's about the extent of it. In fact, I remember a few fathers, maybe it, was, maybe it was like two years ago on Father's Day, I asked my dad what he wanted. He goes, I'd really like you to make barbecued ribs. I'm like, yeah, okay. I'll go to Willie D's and I'll pick them up. I said, I'll have five hours to smoke ribs. But for this Thanksgiving, I made pork belly burn ends. My neighbor had made them at a party for Halloween. I'm like, you got to give me the recipe. And they're absolutely phenomenal. As long as you just like pork fat and sugar. They're awesome. Well, and considering their pork belly, hard to mess up. You could forget them out there for a long time. You're not going to dry them out. Big 13-pound pork yeah. belly from Costco. It's, I mean, just when you get that big piece of meat, it's pretty awesome. So yes, with that said, is. I was listening to um, some radio the other day, and we talked about the rise in credit card balances in America, which I don't think is really – that unexpected due to the fact that the cost of goods have gone up so much. And we talked about how people were probably going to be using their credit cards more for black Friday, but I didn't really realize how much credit card balances have jumped and year over year credit card balances have jumped 15%. That's a 20 year high for going from a point where in COVID we hit like a 20-year low in balances. We're back to a 20-year high in credit card balances. We have, and I think the highest inflation rate since the 1980s is playing a part in that. I don't think that's the fundamental reason. And, you know, we do a show about finance, so we know we knew during the pandemic that savings, savings rates were up. Well, that was a product of stimulus money. And credit well, had nothing to do. Right. Nobody there had anything was, to do. Yes, you couldn't go out to eat, you couldn't do anything, and there was stimulus money. And then the economy opens back up, and we have inflation. And, you know, I think times like this, it's kind of a fork in the road where people who have decided that they're going to be responsible with their money, smart with their money, make decisions that are going to help them build wealth over the long term – you know, there's a fork in the road where they pick a path or you can pick another path, which is what the vast majority of people do. And you have a high credit card balance, a lot of debt that you can't afford, and you're going to have a very hard time ever uh, accumulating any significant amount of wealth if that's how you make decisions. And the vast majority of consumers in America just live paycheck to paycheck and they have uh, more debt than, than they can really afford to have. Well, and 
unfortunately for these borrowers, which this is an eye popping number, total credit card debt in America is $930 billion, just shy of the all time record, 930 billion, what people owe average credit card rates over 18% now because of inflation. So you're coupling the largest balances with the largest interest rates they've seen in 20 years. I mean, we're back to 20 year highs in interest rates and they're probably going higher. So I think what's going to be the real test for this market, will these people be able to actually afford to pay these credit card bills? Because I don't think so. A I, lot of people are going to carry these balances for a very long time. Well, you just think about it. Let's just say you have a $10,000 balance. You had to take the trip to Disney because I think there's other factors, Elias, that lead people to credit card debt. And I think a lot of it is driven from watching our friends on social media and they're doing a great vacation every day. You see another friend buying something new or going on vacation and you feel like you're missing out and you should be doing this. Even though if you have a thousand friends on Facebook, you're going to see one of them doing something. I mean, that's like one in a thousand. But it seems like all you see are these pictures. So people get this fear of missing out. And they're like, man, I need to take that trip. And they've exhausted their savings account. They don't want to give up their lifestyle. So they go to the credit card. I think what that's what a lot of this is, is people go into the credit card because they don't want to cut their lifestyle. But let's just assume someone has a $10,000 balance and the interest is clicking away at $1,800 a year. It's 18%. That's $150 a month just in interest. Most yeah, people so are you're going to have off. to be very diligent about paying it off to get that balance. Well, now. then you couple that with housing unaffordability. High, I mean, I just think this is a recipe for disaster for people who are carrying credit card balances right now. You better start thinking twice about how long you're going to carry that balance for. There's another one, too. People aren't even thinking about this. The last 15 years, people have used their home equity as a place to spend money. And they did it because they were having home equity lines of credit at three and 4%. Guess what a home equity line of credit interest rate is today? Cause they're all adjustable. Yeah. What are eight, they right now? Eight, they're eight, eight percent. Well, okay. Still better let's say, for revolving credit. So better than a credit card, better than a credit card. But let's just say you had a hundred grand out there. You were paying three, you know, 3,500 a year. Just pay if you're paying interest only. Now you're paying 8,000. It doubled. Like that's going to squeeze people. And I know people have used their equity from their house for a fact. People are uh, using yeah. that because yes, people a lot have had of consumers have, they yeah. have more equity in their home than they've had in the last 20 years. Just tons of equity. There was a little research report out from the federal reserve of New York on where the debts actually structured. So I kind of jumped ahead a little bit. Um, but, uh, Household debt balances in America are $16.5 trillion. And now where is all of that? So Elias, so that 16.5 trillion, I think it'd be good to break, break out where it is. And 11.6 trillion of the 16 trillions in, you know, mortgage debt, which arguably that's a decent debt to have. Um, it's a $1 trillion increase from the previous year. Number two, how many lines of credit? HELOCs have about $322 billion um, out there of that uh, $16.5 trillion. Auto loans, $22 billion. Other debt is about $1.57 trillion. So people just have a lot of debt in America. 
Yes, the yeah, typical a typical American family does have a lot of debt. I mean, we're a very cons- we're just a we're a nation that's very consumer oriented. We're we're the best consumers in the world, but I think maybe some of the the messaging from this and I guess things to think about is okay, how do people well, let's talk about this. How do people that have any significant amount of wealth or they've built up something in their life, how many of those people are carrying debt that they can't afford? Do they use, are there people that use debt as a tool to build a business or to accomplish different goals and things? Yes. But if most of your debt is tied up in home equity line of credit to do a remodel or credit cards to continue your lifestyle, even though maybe you can't afford it. And even auto loans to me, that's a lifestyle thing. You can have a, a car loan or you can have a car that's paid off. You could maybe be somewhere in the middle. You have a nice, reliable car that has a payment you can't afford, right? That's an option too. Well, the average car payment's seven over seven hundred dollars. Who can? Aff- I mean, not that many people can actually afford that. Just think, you have a household income of a hundred thousand dollars after tax, you're bringing home like six thousand bucks. Yeah. You're spending ten to fifteen percent of your money. If you have two car payments, fourteen hundred. Spend ten percent of your money, twenty percent of your money on a car payment. Right. So if you can, yeah, if you can get to a point where, and plenty of people are, where you can manage your debt appropriately and, and save some money, but you think about like a credit card. So credit cards to me are a great example of that is a product that works big time against you. So here's a good question. You're going to take on debt at 18%. So that's like, compounding interest working against you. How many people would like to own an investment that paid out an 18% an 18% yield or went up 18% a year? I'm pretty sure everyone I'm, I watched a Warren Buffett uh, clip on YouTube, this exact question. He goes, sometimes the best investment is paying off the debt you're paying 18% on. That's better than an investment because your exact question, where are you going to get 12? He said, if you come to me and you have good credit, I'll loan you all the money you want at 12% interest because that's the best investment he can make is loaning the money out. And people don't think about it that way. You know, it's been fueled by low interest rates and marketing. I think about, do you do any shopping online? Very little. Okay. Do you know, do you know what a firm is? A firm? A firm. No. Okay. You don't shop online then? For large ticket items. But there's a website I go to to buy like fishing electronics and um, things of that nature. Just call it fishing equipment. And on every price, hey, here's the price. You can make four installment payments with the firm. So it's a, another credit device. I don't know if it's necessarily a credit card, but it's a financing company taking large purchases and breaking them down for individuals, then it's no interest. As long as you make the four payments, if you can't afford the $1,800 for the fish finder today, how do you think you're going to afford it in four months? And if you can, why won't you just save the money to do it? Payments. That's how you can do it. Payments. Through payments. But it's the same thing as saving the money for four months. And guess what? It's Iowa. There's no place to use this thing. Right now. Yeah. There you go. But so I thought it'd be good though today to cover a little bit that 
if you have credit card debt? How do you get out? Because once you're in, when you're paying 15, 17, 18, 20, could be 26%, it's hard to get out. And I know that if I charge something on the credit card, I found the very best way to pay this off is to do it on a weekly basis. And it's not because it's less money. It's because it's psychologically easier to pay that bill off when it's $150 versus three or 4,000 the end of the month. It is, I think, another, um, in addition to that, I think a good strategy, if you can execute it and it makes sense, would be like sign up for a balance transfer card that offers some sort of introductory rate. Like, But you have to put together a real plan to pay it off, right? If you just open another credit card and you don't execute, well, now you have an extra credit card. Maybe you have a balance. Maybe you don't. Um, but you could use something like that to consolidate some debt and have no interest for a while, but be diligent about paying it off and have a plan to ex- and execute that plan. Here's my only issue with balance transfer cards, and I'm going to play devil's advocate on this. Okay. Number one, to transfer the balance isn't free. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. No, they don't transfer for free. They always have a balance transfer charge. It's 3 to 5% whatever you transfer. So if You, you can tra- never find that for free. No, there's a balance tra- balance balance transfer fee on almost every single one of these things. Okay. So you're paying three to 5%. So let's say you transfer 10 grand. We paid $300 to transfer it. And what you also did is you open up more credit. So, because I understand how people work, if you already got into credit card trouble once, guess what's going to happen? You're going to keep making minimum payments on the balance transfer. And in 12 months, you're basically still going to owe what you owe before. And because now you have a second credit card, Now you have two credit card bills and I almost guarantee you got in the nasty mess. So the solution is to come up with a plan to knock it out and not just defer it somewhere else. Balance transfer is almost like a way to say, Hey, yeah, you made a bad mistake. Let's make more. Like I understand there's a mathematical way to do it, but if you got in, if you can't get out of, okay. So if you can't get out of $10,000 of credit card debt in 12 months without doing a balance transfer, why do you think you do it with a balance transfer? All you're saving is $1,500 of interest. You're not saving that much. Yes, and I, I do agree with what you're saying. That's why I also said you have to have some sort of, like you have to have a plan to actually do it and be diligent about it, or you're going to end up in a worse position. Yeah, I I like the idea of a plan better. I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm I'm a little... Yeah, I know. And for the vast majority of people, I don't trust them to do a balance transfer. And I know actually they're not going to do it. There's no the way they're going to do it. I mean, it. I, I, yeah, I get where people are at with their credit cards. I know where people are at with their savings rates. Most people probably can't be trusted to be adult enough to execute it. But if there's someone listening that could do it, then I hope, you know, that might be viable for them. There's very little adulting when it comes to credit cards. Elias, you know, we talked about a strategy and it's easy for us to talk about what's having a strategy, but we can really give someone a strategy. There's two, two ways to do it. There's the debt snowball, the debt avalanche. And I'll briefly just touch on what those are, but debt snowball, you list your debts from largest to smallest, tackle the smallest ones first. And as you pay them off, you take that minimum payment and roll it into the next, like the snowball effect. You start small, go to your biggest debt last. Okay. Interest rates don't matter for the debt snowball that avalanche you actually going to pay off your highest interest rate item first 
you kind of have to know how your mind approaches things. There's not a right way to do this. But what I can tell you is there's a lot of academic research out there that actually shows that that debt snowballs more effective because people get the reward of paying something off. It feels good. You have a $300 Best Buy card and you might be able to just go knock it out. You have this sense of accomplishment where if you go tackle the 19% credit card first that you have $22,000 on, it might take you three years to get one debt knocked out. So that would be the debt avalanche, which financially, if you're looking at pure numbers and you're not taking human emotion in any of this or human behavior, arguably the, the best numbers way to do it's a debt avalanche. Unfortunately, research shows us that the debt snowball actually is much more effective. If you're an engineer, the debt avalanche probably makes more sense to you. If you're a non-engineer, you're a school teacher or someone who doesn't revolve all around math, the debt snowball is going to make more sense to you probably. Yeah. And due to the, um, just the emotional and psychological side of it, I'm probably a bigger proponent. Not probably I am of the debt snowball due to what you're saying. It's more, it's rewarding. You have little rewards along the way that then help keep you focused and help keep you on the path to achieving that goal. Um, so for me, I, in this situation, I typically always recommend the debt snowball for people unless, you know, like someone like you're talking about, that's really a finance person, engineer, like the, the numbers is the most important thing to them, which that's not most people. Um, I'm going to recommend the debt, the, uh, the debt snowball nine times out of 10. So Elias, one of the things I think is really leading up to a lot of this increased credit card debt in general is over the increase in cost to live. I mean, we feel it everywhere, but one of the hardest places people are being hit right now is home ownership. It is vastly expensive to own a, own a home right now. In fact, um, Redfin, which is a, it's a, a housing data company, just came out with a study, October of 2022, the annual income needed to afford a median-priced home. This was actually shocking to me. Average income needed to 107,000 household income to afford the median-priced home in America. That is a lot. Yeah, that's gone up a lot the last few years. It's gone up forty-five percent from a year ago. A year ago, seventy-three thousand six sixty-eight. So here's what we're starting to he here's the questions that people are starting to ask: Should we own or should we rent? And I think there's more discussion into that versus just should I own or rent. I mean, you know my feelings on your home. It's not an investment. I believe your home is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle asset. It's how you want to live. Because if we think about the definition of an investment, it's got to pay dividends, interest, or capital gains. Which, if it's going to be an investment, means you're going to have to sell it someday and realize a capital gain on it. Because you're not renting it out unless you have a duplex or an apartment building you own. If you're just living in this place, it's probably never going to be an investment. So the question becomes, if it's lifestyle, should you buy a rent? I don't know what your opinion is, but I think there's certain cases where you could make the case, especially today with how expensive it is to own a home, that for some people, renting may be a better option. I think you can make a case for that. I actually have a good friend who 
Um, he owns a home now, but for a long time, he he did not. And he said, I'm, I'm always going to rent because I want the flexibility of being mobile. If I get offered a job somewhere and I want to take it, I don't want to be tied with a house. So he, you, I think you can make that argument. And the other part of it, he always said was, well, to me at this point, what's the difference? I'm either going to rent my house from the bank essentially through a mortgage, or I'm just going to rent it from a landlord. And I want the flexibility more than I want home ownership. So that's a lifestyle consideration. There's also stages of your life, right? Maybe as you transition, um, you know, you may get married and start a family and then decide, okay, I know this is where I want to raise my family. Well, if you're going to have a couple kids, you're at least going to be there probably 20 years. So is that enough time to actually pay down the balance and then maybe have something that you could sell someday and realize some sort of gain? Maybe it might work out that way. In general, I do agree that it's, I don't think there's just an answer what's better buying or renting. I mean, if you can, if you can afford your rent and you're living in the, the type of place you want to live in a location you want to live and you have no interest in owning a home, I don't know why anyone would say, okay, well, buying is better than renting. Yeah, I, I agree with you that the question becomes two things. How long are you going to stay at this place? One, how stable is your job at this place? And three, is this like a lifetime place? You know, if you're going to be somewhere for 15 or 20 years and you want the responsibility of owning a home because people who've never owned a home before don't realize that it's not just the payment. There's a lot more to it. My dishwasher started making a weird noise last night. My wife goes, should we buy, call the technician? I go, no, just go buy a new dishwasher. Because the <laughs> technician, well, the technician is going to charge you 150 bucks to come out. It's going to be some little screw that's 230. So you're going to be $450 into this thing. And you get a new one for 800 bucks. And you might find a sale now because, you know, there's extra inventory, some of this stuff. In fact, when I called my wife, she goes, I'm trying to do a video for the home appliance place because they literally said, well, Maybe we can just hear what the sound is because maybe we'll know versus coming and charging you a $150 service call. But my point is people who own homes don't think about that. They don't think about the yard maintenance and the new roof and all the stuff that goes into it. It's not just the cost of owning a home. And, you know, I used to have a second house. I underestimated the cost of a second house. And the, and the workload, right? The That's workload. what we used to talk about a lot. Yeah. I ended up going on vacation. The first day and a half was like power washing at this other place. It wasn't vacation. Go on vacation so you can work for 15 hours the first 48 Hard. hours you're there. I worked harder at that place than I do at my house where I live all the time. <laughs> so I told my wife, we're going to do something different. So we sold that house and we're going to look for a condo or something that is maintenance free. This summer, we're just renting. We're doing exactly what we're talking about in this article. We picked my girl's favorite resort, and that's where we're renting for three weeks this summer. That sounds fun. We'll see how that goes. Maybe we'll just continue to rent. But So home ownership's not just the payments. It is, can you actually afford to maintain this place? Because guess what happens if you factor in just the payments and something breaks down? Where's the first place someone puts that new dishwasher? Credit card. Right on the Visa card at 18%. So that or you get, that or you get the uh, the teaser rate at the appliance store for you know no yeah. interest financing for twelve months, and then you don't whatever. pay it off, and you paid all the back interest, and now you're at twenty six percent. Yeah, that can happen too. 
that's what happens most of the time. So, um, home ownership has gotten very expensive and you just got a, it's a personal decision. I like owning a home, but I could see at some point where maybe I'd rent. I mean, if I was retired, maybe rain's the way to go. You live somewhere for three or four years and move on to the next place and experience a different bunch of different places all throughout the world. It's probably not a horrible route to go. Yeah. I, I can tell you once I get to that age, I want no yard to take care of no snow to worry about. So that'll probably be the move for me. And I always thought I'm going to have a house out in the country, which we kind of live out in the country. We have, you know, we have our home. It's on an acre and a half lot. It is outside of town in a neighborhood though. And you think that's great until you actually start living that life. Um, Cause just the mowing and taking care of the long driveway it just gets to be a lot. It's time consuming. And I don't mind doing the work. Like I'm just like anybody else. Do I like driving a lawnmower and mowing? Yeah, it's kind of fun, but do I really want to spend an hour every single week doing that? No, not particularly, especially when you have little kids, right? There's a solution to that. It's called Culver's and that's not the sandwich shop. No, I know. I know. But I'm just saying, I'm just going along with your point that there's a lot more to it. You, you, You think like me, I've, I thought I wanted all this stuff at one time and I could actually go for simpler now, especially with little kids. I wouldn't mind living in a condo or an apartment that's downtown or something. I don't think that's what my family wants, but I know I would like doing that. My wife and I, we have this discussion all the time. The day our daughter graduates high school, we're going to a condo. I don't do yard work now. I delegate. I don't own a mower. I don't have a snowblower. I delegate all that. So why wouldn't I just go to a condo when the girls are out of the house? Doesn't mean you probably should. Well, that's the plan. Or like an apartment above a really nice coffee shop. Wouldn't that be a good place to live? Just that, go downstairs and get be a like, coffee. It'd be and like friends. You just go to the local coffee shop every day and you're a local. There you go. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm down for that. Um, well, with that said, I, this is a good show, Elias. I think these are a lot of things that are actually hitting home with people today. I think the takeaways that I want people to think about is, one, if you're running the credit card up, you got to put a plan together because it's going to get worse the next 30 days. It's Christmas time, which means if you don't have money saved for Christmas presents and you have credit cards, you know, you got to really figure out what you're doing. I mean, there might be a situation where if you had a high credit card balance, you say, look, we're going to do something different than a bunch of presents this year. You know, I know in my family, we don't even exchange gifts with my parents anymore. Like, there's no reason to, we all get what we want. We just want to spend time together at the holidays. And But if you're behind, it's time to start putting together a plan to knock those credit cards out because otherwise they're just going to get bigger the next four weeks. Yeah, Roger, that is another good point. And that should be, you know, people are going to have to address that, right? If you're doing, if you are doing your holiday planning, you already have some credit card debt, um, you know, I don't, I don't, it's hard to, to, uh, cut back around the holidays, but I think putting something in place to address that and then starting to execute that would be a good move. If you have significant credit card debt today. Well, with that said, if anybody's looking for help putting together a plan, you can go to btwellshow.com. We'd be happy to help you. Um, hope everybody has a good week. Thanks for listening. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPIC.
The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional.